We got sports joining us from the Yonhap News Agency is Big U, Yu Ji Ho. Hello. Hi, good morning. Good morning to you. We're going to begin with the football update. K-League set to kick off on February 27th, so about right about a little less than a month from now. The schedule was announced, and uh, you got some interesting updates here. Yeah, uh, they're trying to play the full 30-year match season this year after having to cut it down to 27 last year because of COVID-19 pandemic. So the opening kickoff will be February 27th. Four-time defending champions Chumbuk will be hosting FC Seoul at 2 p.m. And also Daegu FC playing Suwon FC, one of the new clubs promoted from the K-League 2 on the same day. And then the following day, on February 28th, uh, Pohang versus Incheon United. And Suwon Samsung Blue Wings versus Kwangju FC. And also on March 1st, uh, Korean football legend Hong Myung-bo making his K-League coaching debut for Ulsan Hyundai at 2 p.m. And also Tungnam hosting uh, Jeju United, the winners of the K-League 2 last year, earning the promotion back to the K-League 1. So the schedule that was announced uh, earlier this week, actually, actually yesterday, was uh, the partial uh, fixture, first uh, 33 matches. Um, after 33 matches, the clubs will be split into two tiers, and then play final five matches within their own group. So those matches will be announced uh, later in the season. As I said earlier, uh, last year they had to kick off on May the 8th instead mm-hmm. of uh, February 28th uh, because of the pandemic. So they're, they play 11 fewer matches than usual. And this year the, the hope is to play the full 38-match slate with, with or without fans. Yeah, we'll talk baseball later. They were actually, I mean, they pulled it off, right? They were, they were all able to get all those games uh, uh, lumped in there and, and finish their season. Are you similarly optimistic that they can hit that 38-game uh, threshold, barring any, I guess, huge, I, I don't know, fourth wave of coronavirus infections, right? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, I don't think anybody can guarantee it at this point because just because we don't know how this pandemic will you know, swing one, one way or the other, even maybe next week or next month, right? So, yeah, yeah I'm not going to go out and say oh, I'm optimistic or I'm pessimistic about the season. But uh, I think it depends on a lot of things. A lot of things will have to go right. Mm. Uh, even some of the schedules for the other tournaments that the, uh, the K-League clubs will be playing uh, during the season. So, yeah, I think they're going to give themselves a chance uh, to see what happens there. But, uh, again, the hope is to play 38 uh you know, financial concerns, I think, being part of that. Uh, you know, if they do have at least some fans for more matches than last year, right. uh, it's going to help the club's bottom line. Well, you mentioned Hong Myung-bo. Uh, let's talk about uh, Ulsan because they've got some football to play ahead of that uh, K-League kickoff. Uh, they are set to take off for Qatar later today to play in the FIFA Club World Cup. It's going to actually be Hong's uh, coaching debut. Set this up for us, please. Sure. Well, it's going to be coming before the K-League debut for Hong Myung-bo. And the first official tournament for him. Uh, they're going to actually fly on a FIFA charter flight uh, later today. Uh, the tournament kicks off on February 4th against the North and Central American champions, uh, Tigres UA- UANL from Mexico. And they've got champions from other regions of the world, including Bayern Munich, uh, the reigning UFA, uh, UFA Champions League winners from Europe. Uh, Ulsan obviously have pretty fond memories of playing Qatar. They won the AFC, the Asian Champions League, last month in Qatar to qualify for the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, will be their first appearance in the tournament since 2012. 
Uh, Hong Milbo obviously be, being one of the big major changes for this club. Uh, he will be making his coaching debut weeks before his first K-League match. And the team has gone through a lot of changes too on the roster. They're Reigning scoring leader, the league reigning scoring champion, Junior Negrao, no longer with the team. Uh, midfielders Park Ju-ho and Shin Jin-ho uh, have left the club as well. And among the incumbents, uh, players like Lee Chung-yong, Hong Chol, and Lee Dong-kyung are rehabbing from injuries and they won't be traveling to Qatar. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge for us for Hong to even try to win a match, to be yeah. honest. But, uh, uh, you know, he's going to go out there and try to figure out uh, how the team is going to shape up maybe for the K-League season coming up. Yep. So uh, good luck to them. We got baseball updates as well. Um, it was snowing a little earlier this weekend. It's bitterly, bitterly cold right now, Big mm-hmm. U. But uh, <laughs> we're still talking about spring training. And this time, we're not going to fancy places like Hawaii or Okinawa or uh, Arizona. We are staying here in the peninsula if you don't want to quarantine. So camps are going to open next Monday across this frigid country. Yeah, uh, no fun in the sun uh, for the KBO clubs. Uh, no traveling because of COVID-19-related travel restrictions. And they're all staying home. First time in league history that yeah. every team actually is training, uh, quote-unquote, spring training in, in Korea. Uh, SK Wyverns are soon to be renamed. Uh, uh, the team will be the only one actually taking a, a, the thing they're playing. They're flying to Jeju Island to train there. Everybody else is staying inland to prepare for the new season. Now, for, for a little more on the Wyverns, uh, you know, they have been, they will be sold to Shinsegei Group. Yeah. Um, and the sale will be finalized sometime uh, in February. And they're working on a, a new name for the team. Uh, so by the time I think the exhibition season begins in mid-March, uh, they're going to be called as something different. For, but for the time being, they are the Whiskey Wyverns. Uh, they've got all the jerseys and everything ready for spring training. Uh, also, with the team staying in Korea, they're saving a lot of money. Uh, so uh, I think this is a potential of has potential of becoming a new trend even mm. in the post-pandemic times, be- just because it saves them a lot of money, and uh, teams have lost so much money in, in the past year because of you know, not playing in front of the fans. So uh, I think they're going to be able to they're going to try to bl- brave some of the cold weather conditions at this time of the year in Korea, uh, as long as it saves them the bottom line. So uh, I think that's an interesting trend to probably keep an eye on. Of course, the regular season is about uh, more than two months away on April 3rd. So they're going to be training about a month or three weeks in February and then start playing some exhibition games with other teams. Yeah, too bad for the uh, players themselves. I'm sure a lot of them didn't mind going to some tropical <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> for the spring. But uh, if it can be done, looks like it's going to be done. Uh, we never got a chance to get your thoughts on what was probably the big sports story of the day uh, of the week here in Korea. And that was the sale of SK Wyvern's uh, to yeah. uh, Shinsege and the Emart uh, Corporation. Uh, I know there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of analysis. It's, it's unprecedented. It is really the first time a uh, financially non-troubled company is being sold in KBO, and also the abrupt way of this was done. Uh, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, uh, this is, we've never seen anything like this in the KBO, where a, a corporate owner who wasn't struggling financially decided to just dump the team anyway. So I think it's, you know, it sends a, from the players or team's perspective, probably sends a bad message. Uh, that this, you know, this could happen. Some some other corporate ownership could do this. Uh, you know, SK Telecom has done it first now. Um, but you know, I think there's also a bit of a hope that Shinsegae will do something, uh, you know, pretty fun and innovative in terms of uh, marketing and how and they're going to be trying to reach out to some of their retail consumers and you know get them into baseball 
or maybe reach out to baseball fans and get them into buying some of the Shinsega products or shopping at Shinsega Mall. And they've also made a pledge uh, to build a dome in the city of Incheon. Um, and I, I, my understanding is they're building some sort of a mall there, and then okay. they're going to maybe try to locate or build a, a new dome stadium near the mall just to you know, connect those two different consumer groups in terms of baseball fans and the retail consumers. Well, that's very ambitious. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting, I, I guess, to say the least, uh, what uh, form this uh, new franchise takes. Let's talk um, Olympics. We had an earlier interview, Big U, with uh, a uh, correspondent from Japan in regards to the situation there. As far as the IOC is concerned with the uh, Tokyo Games, they're doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down. They're saying it's going to go on, and if you talk about it, that's going to hurt our athletes' feelings. Yeah, IOC President Thomas Bach said basically he doesn't want to hear any of it. Uh, There's no plan B for Tokyo. They're going to go ahead and try to, I guess, uh, hold the Olympics on time on July 23rd. He said uh, IOC does not want to destroy Olympic dreams of any, any athlete. Uh, they're not going to waste time and energy on speculation or responding to speculation that the games will be canceled or postponed. Uh, but he did, I guess, stop short of assuring that the games will open in time. But he just he remains committed to having it at some point this year. And also, he said the athletes and the Olympic workers are advised to be back, vaccinated before the Olympics, but it wouldn't be mandatory. So, yeah, again, no plan B for the IOC in Tokyo. Um, but, uh, you know, about six months out, uh, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, I would say, the late. And it, it's hard not to succumb to cynicism, but when you hear Bach talking about the, the, the d- destroying the dreams of the athletes and how that's um, what they are worried about, I wonder how much of that is counterbalanced by the um, destroying the TV revenues that were set to come in and, and the money that they would have received from that and um, and kind of balancing what is the more painful thing personally for uh, IOC uh, President Thomas Bach. But again, I uh, don't want to succumb to uh, cynicism there, Big U. All right. Uh, as always, thank you very much for the coverage. I hope you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, you too. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for our program. Coming up next is Life Abroad, hosted by Na Sung Yun. Please stay tuned for that. We are going to be back on Monday for another edition of This Morning. Please enjoy your weekend and enjoy the rest of your day. Until then, this has been Henry Shin. Goodbye.